Let me tell you how it will be We'll all catch up on the books you see Cause it's the X-Men Yeah, it's the X-Men Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 197, and it will be the final real X-Men catch-up episode because everything else will be done as they come out. And what I'll probably be doing going forward is having a X-Men show each week. If it's one book, two, three, whatever it will be, we will have that as a, a little a bit of a show there, and then also maybe having another show, including our Tuesday show, where I go through some of the newer books that Brandon is not reading, which is most of them right now. He's not enjoying a lot that is coming out, but we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. Also, I will say that from here on out, all the Xbooks will be on the Patreon-only spotlight poll. So if they are picked by the uh, bad butts of the Get Fresh crew, ooh, ooh, they will be Patreon-exclusive that week. Uh, speaking of that, where you can find us, I'll say it right now since we did pull into that, we have a Patreon account where you can go and support us for everything we do here on this feed, also the DC stuff, also the videos, all that sort of thing, and you go to patreon.com slash weirdscience, and one of the big things that you can get each week, besides some other Marvel-centric stuff, would be the Marvel Patreon Spotlight, two books that me and Brandon do each and every Wednesday night, new comic book day, this past week, we ended up doing two really big ones, Immortal Hulk number 35 and Empire number one. And I, when I'm done this, I'm going to put the poll up for this following week. And I kind of guess that Empire number two will be on that as well. But we'll see how that goes. But you can also go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. We also have a website where we review all the books. I'll be reviewing Marvel uh, Empire number two. Uh, and that is at weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. And we have a video channel that is Weird Science Comics. And you can go and look in the show notes for all the links to all those things. But yes, I said this is pretty much the last of the catch up episodes. We did it, folks. You know, we ended up uh, probably 60 plus issues, I guess it was, that we have done since pretty much near the start of the shutdown. It was something that I kind of came up with doing a little bit after the shutdown, but pretty much we'll just consider it the shutdown deal. And so we're coming to an end. And to do that, I'll be talking about four books tonight, some that I like, some that I don't, but we're going to kick it off with Excalibur. All right. And it is Excalibur number 10, written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Garcianega, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. In an issue that's called Reality, Excalibur seeks unimpeded passage into Otherworld, but their quest to planet Krakoan Gate has drawn the ire of dangerous enemies whose first attack badly wounded Shogo. Now, again, just, just think of this. This is one of these books. You, you have all of these Dawn of X books going on. And, you know, some things are big, some things aren't as big. But the idea that we've gone 10 issues with pretty much... The idea of Excalibur trying to plant a plant so that they can have unimpeded passage in the other world 
even though we seem to have it anyway. I understand that, you know, you may need Betsy to get there, but they've been back and forth. So even the grand scheme of things, I think, is so, so small and uninteresting. The only reason that I think most people are even reading this book anymore, and again, this is there's going to be fans of every book, but I'm talking, people I'm talking to are either have dropped this book. If they've dropped any book in this whole Dawn of X line, it's this one. It's this one to a T. And if you are reading it, some people, half of those that I'm talking about that are still reading it are only reading it because of the Ten of Swords coming up, that it's going to go through this and you have to... I really, I don't know why, why this book keeps going on in such a way that every time I read it, I, I just end up by the end. I'm not exactly angry at the end. I just don't care. And that's worse. I end up without any sort of feeling whatsoever and just like, well, why don't I just read? Like, why? Well, at the end of last issue, I was kind of excited. They ended up, they were attacking the Starlight Citadel. You had all these things going on. Shogo gets shot down. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Jubilee has gone ham. Jubilee at the end of last issue said, cover my baby's eyes. Mama's going ham. And I was like, all right, now we're talking. Now we are talking about stuff. And then we start this issue. And it's the play of the issue. But again, you, you want to just slam the door shut on any sort of, you know, progression or any sort of pacing or any sort of excitement. You end up where all of a sudden the team is in London and the team is in a London that's being attacked by Krakoa and is in the middle of a seemingly in the middle of, you know, World War Eight. With Krakoa, you end up the army, the British army, seeing the mutants, they're going to attack. You end up even seeing that a gateway, one of the portals, is burned down and has burning effigies of Jean Grey and Xavier. So you're like, what the heck? Now, with that, me reading this, and I'm reading this not after a shutdown. I'm reading this a week after even less of reading the last Excalibur. Now, because this book has meant so little to me with the overall scheme of things with the X books, and because things are not ever set up well, I just thought that, all right, here we go. I didn't even get right away of, oh man, this doesn't seem right. This must be an alternate reality. That's where I realized that I do not trust Teeny Howard of this book that I'm reading. I'm like, I think she done messed up. Right, let's see what's going on. Now, when you do get to the light bulb above the head reveal, it's not even that good for me to go, oh, my God, she tricked me. Um, no, it, it's a pocket reality. It's a pocket reality made by Jamie Braddock. That's all it is. And I'm like, all right, I, I really don't care. And so I'll give you the stats as we go through here, or at least rundown of what happens. But at the end, I'm still left emotionless and wondering why I'm reading this book. That's that's the big mystery. The pocket reality where I actually am sane and not reading this book is the pocket reality I want to be. Somebody called Jamie Braddock, make that for me. But with this, you end up having you know, the Excalibur team going. They're trying to not fight the British Army. They're still kind of trying to get away. They want to go back to Krakoa. They can't go through a portal. You end up having to mention, well, uh, Betsy, can't you get us to the other world? 
and then we'll use that portal to go back. But, you know, we keep pushing in that recap that they don't even have that, but you do. And so she's like, well, I tried and I can't. Now, with this all, you do have Richter come and save their hide at first. You end up having this British army. They're about to shoot. Richter comes, does his little deal. But then throws out that they think that the whole of London's been warded against the otherworld magic and mutant stuff. Nothing makes sense. And even him doing what he did, he says, well, I shouldn't have been able to do that, but I really tried hard. You're setting up rules to immediately go against them for when they're convenient, but then bring them back, even though it's a pocket reality anyway, so it doesn't matter. And so Betsy's trying to go. Then she has a plan. I want to get here. Oh, the, you know, London, the, the people don't like me, but I need to protect the land. And Richter's like, the land don't like you either because it's warded off by the coven and all this stuff jumbled in together where it's still just a dupe. It's still just a, you know, almost like any other issue would have a dream. This is a pocket reality. Well, you realize things are going on, too. And because of that. You don't need, if you're trying to fool people, you can't go full out. If you go full out, you're going to end up revealing that your dupe is a dupe. And then when you do get that, it's not, you have Kitty Pride show up. Kitty shows up in a flying marauder ship that's being powered by Rachel. And then you're just like, this is just dumb. And, and now what you're doing at this point is not waiting for the reveal because it's neat. You're waiting for any reveal that shows you that Teeny Howard hasn't lost her damn mind because of this whole deal. Like, did she just forget everything or what? So when I get the reveal that it is Jamie who is making a pocket reality, I'm more relieved that at least this nonsense wasn't real because it would make no sense. And they're heading to... The lighthouse is, is what happens. Kitty gathers them up and like, hey, we're going to go back to Krakow. No, no, no. You have to take me to the lighthouse. No, you can't go to the lighthouse. Kitty has already been to the lighthouse, got Pete Wisdom from there when he was attacked by the British Army as well and some special forces. And he's in a coma. Yeah, Betsy, oh, my God. Well, all of this is going on. Like I said, you're just waiting, hoping that this has to be something weird. Uh, And then you see it is. There is the king of the other world, Jamie Braddock, the mad king he is. And he's there talking his crap and talking about how he he likes, you know, the knights and the castles and the swords and the dragons. But he thinks missiles are even better. Missiles are pretty cool. So then all of a sudden missiles go and they're going to hit the lighthouse. They're going to end up killing or hurting the Excalibur team. Gambit saves them from the first volley of that but they're still you know hurt a little knocked down and that is when jamie braddock shows up on a unicorn runs through jubilee with the horn of the unicorn and then just starts talking nonsense about hey you know this is a different reality that i got going on and pretty cool right you know you're a different version of the excalibur team and this pocket reality of london and england the real use guys are back in the other world still fighting show goes down all that stuff which we don't have in this issue it's just a little too but he ends up like you know this reality is your reality you're the different betsy and i'm gonna play around with this whole thing and really it seems to be all he wants to do here is shatter some realities and make a new captain britain core that we ended up seeing at the end of last issue that i actually thought it was the starlight citadel 
and, and, you know, Saturn, who was trying to get that together. But now it seems as if it is Jamie getting that together. And now the Starlight Citadel and all of them and the priestesses and all that are against this Captain Britain Corps. They're the pretenders. No way. We don't need all these because what ends up happening is another missile comes, hits Betsy in this pocket reality. I guess. And then shatters the reality, which then ends up making them all, all the rest of the Excalibur team. And I'm talking Rogue, Jubilee, Richter, and Gambit all have the talisman of Captain Britain. They all become Captain Britain. They're the Captain Britain Corps that hasn't been around for a while. And again, it it seemed before like this kind of changed. This kind of changed in my mind to a Jamie Braddock thing when it wasn't before it's very odd. I did hear rumors that some things were changed. And now the Starlight Citadel down with the pretenders. We must kill death to the Captain Britain Corps. And then you end. And I'm like, yep, there we go again. <laughs> I do not care. It's cool to see the Captain Britain Corps. They're kind of a neat look. I mean, having Jubilee with her, her uh, you know, Union Jack sunglasses and you have a guy. That, that's all cool. But it just kind of happens. And like everything else in this book, it doesn't feel earned at all yet. Maybe it will. Maybe things will change. But nothing in this book ever to me feels like I am on solid ground. I always feel like everything's shaky. I always feel like I'm trying to still catch up with what's going on at the end of the issue. And then I go and reread it again. I read other, you know, past issues and things like that. And I just sit there and no, it's just not set up. It's all a bunch of moments that don't seem to mesh together. All these things going on just make this, in my mind, the worst book in this whole Dawn of X thing. I just, I don't like it at all. And because of that, I'm going to give this a special 5 out of 10, if you know what that means. You you know what that means. We will never forgive you. And I do like the art. It's pretty good. But because of all this, I will continue to read Excalibur. I will continue to read it to eventually get to the Ten of Swords. I don't think I'm going to talk about it on the podcast anymore. I'm so sick of this book. And I don't really think that I want to talk about a book that I don't like every time it comes out and I'm sure that there's some people if you do like this book you don't want to hear me trashing it so you go on you like it I'll read it until maybe it'll pop up and if it does pop up on the podcast from now on you'll know that I've enjoyed it I will keep reading it though so if you want to ask me how things are going you want to try to convince me of why it's good if you want to explain things because again this might be something that I'm missing because I am new to the X-Men stuff, but this whole other world stuff, Betsy, it's just drug on too long as this a story that I don't care about. Now we're going to have the Captain Britain Corps. That is a wow moment, but it just didn't flow well. And it didn't seem like it was something that, like I said, wasn't earned up to this point, didn't seem well set up. So I am going to move on to the next book, which the next book is a book that I have been enjoying. We'll see if I continue to do that. And this is Marauders number 10, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit, in an issue that says, send one of theirs to the morgue. It's the Chicago way it is. While rescuing mutants in Marjorie Bay, Captain Kate Pride was double-crossed and murdered. As her crew on the Marauder learned of her fate, the, their grief quickly turned to anger at their many enemies. 
And this issue is pretty much about that power dampening armor the Russians were wearing. It's kind of been traced back to something that Forge had been working on before Krakoa when he was dealing and working with the government. And he realizes that it might have been a guy that he worked with that ended up having a photographic memory of a man named Daniels. And he thinks that he might have been involved. So they're going to go off and figure this out. Now, in the meantime, you end up having the Quiet Council getting together and Emma's not there. You end up having the cuckoo saying, well, she sends her regrets. And it is Sophie who's there. The cuckoo says, oh, Emma sends her regrets. She can't be here. She's off doing her things pretty much, you know, going to war against the whole world, things like that. And you do end up having Sebastian like, this is ridiculous. You know, the standard deal. Uh, Sophie says, uh, you know, you need to give the Marauders a wide breath. So shut your mouth. But while this goes on, you do have Magneto in a point kind of, you know, telepathically say to Sophie, you know, don't let them. If whatever M is doing, tell her to not let anybody survive this. We can't have anybody to tell the tale. Sophie's like, of course, sir. And they go off and we go off to see what's going on. And you do have a Russian freighter that's going and they're in the South Pacific near the equator and they run into a, you know, an iceberg. And you know that it's Bobby and it is. It's Bobby and Storm. They end up making the whole ship rise out of the water on ice. You do end up having these Russian soldiers with this power dampening armor go to attack. But the Marauders have brought something a little more, you know, a little more impressive. They brought Mercury, the UFO, where they basically end up just attacking everybody on the ship to try to get this Daniels, which Forge ends up finding him. And and you end up having Daniels even say, listen, I I wasn't doing anything bad. They made me do this. And Forge says, "I, I understand that. And you even have a little later where Daniels even points out to things even more that he did. He ended up in that armor, in the tech that he made. He even had things programmed into it to not be as powerful as it could have been, number one, but also ended up having a help message, an SOS message in it as well. So I think he is on the up and up about things. Now, there is a part that I really, really didn't like in this issue. You have Emma Frost, Emma Frost, one of the most powerful mutants, uh, one of the most powerful telepaths going on. You end up having just four standard Russian soldiers that come out And they're going to shoot her. And she ends up there pretty much exposing her breasts while her and Pyro are standing there. Almost like she needed to do that to make these guys be controlled and shoot each other. And they're shooting each other in the legs, things like that going on. But it it just I didn't like the way it played out. You, You didn't need that. Emma is so much more powerful than somebody who has to, you know, show some cleavage to get people to do what she wants to do, especially when she is actively making you do stuff. And I thought that that was a misplay here. Well, as they're still going on, they're trying to get out off the ship. They're trying to get this Daniels out. They're trying to get, you know, the tech and things like that. They end up where they have their UFO. They end up, you know, trapping all these guys, the main guy. They said, listen, and and it's pretty much just a way so that Emma can tell them exactly what's going to happen. And it, it, again, this is a 
moment that I don't mind the you know what's going on but it's it's really spelled out and overdone i thought where after showing breasts now you end up having emma saying we're going to mind control all of you so that any oppressed minority you'll feel sorry for them and you will end up helping them and if you try to hurt them you'll get physically ill uh and she even says gay disabled trans it doesn't matter it's a nice you know thing to do it's a you know for people but it just it comes after that part with the book it just you're like, well, what are you doing? Ping ponging back and forth here. Um, but the whole thing that I actually liked is because they're in this UFO, they end up where all these guys, they won't remember much from the whole month leading up to this, but they will remember being abducted by a UFO and probed, which I think makes them end up looking like they're nuts and nobody will believe them and things like that. So I don't mind that. But then this whole freighter that had been captured, it just gets destroyed by mercury the ufo you have a little moment in the actual ufo where you have bishops like what the heck where did we get a ufo i mean this is crazy and it's one of those things that we kind of saw this before where the ufo is being piloted you know by a piano and and that's you know that's kind of cool but bishop just he's like you know how did this go on he's asking christian christian frost who's there playing the piano like where did we get this and Christian says, you know, it's like Emma, you don't ask questions a lot of times, but you end up finding out old Daniels was seemingly on the up and up. He ended up putting that SOS message in. He didn't do it. And Ford says, you know, I saw that you didn't power it up as much. Thanks a lot. My old friend. The problem is, is that you end up having Daniels like, I'm not going to be able to go home, am I? And Ford's just like, no, sorry, you won't be safe. You won't remember anything about your old life, but don't worry. You'll have a nice retirement in Rio Verde, Arizona, as he plays golf with mask and seems to be excited for things. Now, in this issue, one of the other things that you have are letters that a letter that was written from Kitty to Kurt to Nightcrawler. About, you know, we haven't been together a while. I haven't seen you, my old friend. And, you know, I always use you to kind of cry on your shoulder and talk about my problems. And I, I don't, you know, want to just be that person, but I kind of have some problems. I can't wait to see you. I, I kind of feel a little pissed off that I can't get into Krakoa. I don't want to be angry about it, but I can't help it. All these things. And obviously, then she gets killed. At the last part of the letter, you know, says, Hey, Kurt, I can't wait for you to meet me at some point. We'll have a drink on the Marauder. We'll have a grand old time. Well, at the end, right before the end, you have a letter that Kurt writes to Kitty after her death. So this is one of those like, you know, dear Kate, dear Katya, he says. Uh, Yeah, you know, right now we're having problems. They're using all the type of science to try to bring you back. Uh, I I think it might be a faith thing and I'm going to try to do my thing as well. And I do think that this will lead to be a combination of things to get Kitty back eventually. Um, And even then you end up having him say, you know, those kids that you ended up saving and bringing back, you know, they've kind of reinvigorated me and, you know, they're all, and I'm going to get this faith going. We did see earlier in the series with, Kurt saying that he wants to start a new religion, things like that. But yeah, he ends up saying, you know, I've cried every day since I received the news that you sailed to sea and did not return. 
But when I am done with my crybaby parade, which is something she said, as you would say, I will wipe away my tears and instead smile because I know we will be reunited. And I like Kurt and his faith and his idea that we will be reunited. I do have faith with that, where then after that you go to, you know, the five who are depressed because they cannot figure out how to bring Kitty back. And they are just like, we, we can't do it. Egg is saying, we're doing all we can. I don't think we're doing anything wrong. I think that, you know, Kitty might not be able to come back. I mean, we may have to give this up. And Xavier says, I agree for now. Please go sleep. I will inform the White Queen of my decision. And then it says, next funeral for a mutant. And that's sad. And it looks like, yeah, it looks like that if she's going to come back after this, at least what this is kind of pointing to, it will be Kurt who might have to use his faith and kind of go with that. So we'll see. We'll see why, how, what, and, you know, eventually we'll hopefully solve that mystery of why Kate couldn't get through the gates and now can't be resurrected. Something must be wrong with her. And there's a lot of things. And of all the things in the whole Dawn of X, that's the biggest mystery to me, the whole idea with Kate. And I want her back. I want to see what's going on. I want her back in the book and all that. So we'll see. But that's the end of that issue. And I liked it. It ended up kind of tying up that whole deal with that whole power dampening armor. It gets that out of the way. And it's one of those things, these Dawn of X books, overall, they kind of do seem like disjointed throughout the whole deal. And as I'm getting to the end of what I needed to catch up to and things like that, it's not like I'm getting a solid overall story from any book. Books tend to veer off in different directions. Some books ending up, you know, kind of bleeding into others. You start doing that. And I really do want more of a focus overall of the entire books. And maybe that's what the Ten of Swords will do. That's why I still will read Excalibur as we go to it. But I do need something that makes all of these a more cohesive whole than just you know random stories at points is what it feels like but i'm gonna give this a seven five like i said i like the art i like the story it's just kind of this little thing with the armor and kind of get that out of the way and i like the letters between kurt and kate the best and actually the end makes me sad but that's a kind of a cool cliffhanger even though it makes me sad but i'm gonna go on to the next book now and this is New Mutants number 10, written by Ed Brisson, art by Flaviano, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and an issue that's called Sphere of Influence. A teenager in Carnelia has begun to manifest mutant powers in the form of a fast-growing orb of nightmares, a dangerous situation in a country which has rejected Krakoan sovereignty and is openly hostile to mutants. The new mutants arrived to help, but Karma's attempt at psychic intervention resulted in her and her teammates being overtaken. Now backup is on its way, for better or worse, and the backup's mainly wild side, but Cypher's there as well, Mondo. You, you end up having the B-team kind of coming in to save their butts, but this book has just been kind of a, not a mess, but it's just been these stories that just kind of meander from one story to the other you end up having the sunspot stuff in space that did lead to the grabbing of the king egg but then that went off to the x-men book to end up having king brew taken care of you also have the story where 
The team went to Nebraska to save Beak and his family. The whole idea of the mutants being doxxed at that point, which then ends up bleeding all over. The, the thing is, is this book just ends up kind of feeling like you set up some things to go off to other things if they get big. Like this is the minor leagues. If the story gets big, then it heads up to the big show, right? You end up going to the, the show here. And so the story, though, right now with this mutant that's in Cornelia and, it, you know, she is a mutant that is making a reality based on nightmares that is making a black hole in, in the world that's going to end up swallowing up a whole town, all these things going on. And yet have the mutants come in to try to save this and the armies there and the, the way the army acts out and the police at this moment here say like well let let the mutants get near and try to figure it out and the, you know the best case is this will all be solved and we won't have to worry about it but even if it gets bad we'll probably just end up having the mutants die but still it feels weird once you end up getting officials getting involved in something where why weren't they involved before there are mutants in your country right now in your town then you're not really down with them. And it just, it it played out weird to me. And the whole idea of just this mutant girl that ends up, you know, making bigger and bigger nightmare black hole, it's just not that interesting. The art, of, Flaviano's art I usually like at points, it, it got a little shady here. It got a little weird. And so I don't know if some of this was rushed at one point or changed or whatnot. I, reading it, I don't know what it would have been because really, as of just the story, it doesn't really seem to matter that much, but you do end up having the Calvary come in while you also have Glob uh, making chicken. There's chickens, they're making eggs. He's making his vegetarian laksa, laksa recipe, which it's kind of an ov- ovo vegetarian, ova vegetarian because he has eggs in it. I don't know. I'm not a fancy vegetarian. I like the meat, I does, but you end up where this whole deal is trying to figure out how they can help this mutant girl while also saving, you know, the the other new new mutants that are inside this black hole. And what they end up going with is, in my mind, I, I know what they try to play it off as, but it's more like an inner space deal where you have armor make. You know, armor around the new mutants, they're going to go into this nightmare black hole protected by the armor. And they're going to try to figure out what's going on with Wildside in there, who is going to try to stop this mutant girl and not kill her or anything, but stop her so that they can help her as well. Um, While you end up having Mirage outside with a lifeline that she can pull, if anything bad happens and when you do go in armor is you know in the lead she's leading this whole armor deal with cypher mondo and Wildside in there with her and they're going through and, and i'm telling you it's pretty much the dark version of the yellow submarine again you end up going through there's looks like chalk drawings at one point the draw rings there is and candy and things but in this darkness and you end up finding this mutant girl who is almost there like a a baby with an umbilical cord even there. Well, there she is. We got to change her. And what they're going to do is Wildside is going to pretty much inject into her the nice dreams, the nice ideas, you know, rainbows and lollipops. And when he gets there and tries to do it, 
eh, things don't go so well. Ends up pretty much freaking out this girl that ends up with the nightmares attacking the armor, trying to cut off their deal, which they do. They end up snapping the lifeline where you do have Mirage. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me pull this out. Let me pull. Oh, no. And the lifeline is severed. Uh, So as we end up going and as we end the issue, and this is a very, very quick read. While you have this, you do end up having the minister uh, uh, of the whole Cornelia, the prime minister of Cornelia, come out and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, they have the, the cameras on them. And we don't think that this is what's going on. And what he thinks is this is a dupe. And he says this on the news. This is a dupe. The mutants cause the problem. This is what a lot of people say. It's with anything. If you end up having somebody solve a problem, there's always going to be that conspiracy theory of, well, you cause the problem first so that you could be the hero and say, this is how he's going. Hey, they they caused this whole problem with the mutants. They're just it's amazing because this happened right after we denied the Krakoan sovereignty. All of a sudden this happened. So they're coming in just to try to play hero when they started it anyway. You end up having the police going to arrest everyone while you end up having, like I said, armor, cipher, mondo, and wild side inside this nightmare deal and being overtaken by it. Uh, all they have to do is pierce the armor, and then by the end it does look like it is affecting armor herself, who is having a dream, not a quite a nightmare yet, but of her brother and her mother who are supposed to be dead and and said you're you're supposed to be dead and then you end it so it's okay it's one of those it's an okay little story and again how does it go and is is this important is is this new mutants book that important to keep going with i i do like it usually issue to issue but we're getting to a point in my mind at these number 10s where we've gone through so much and we have more books coming out we end up having other books x factors coming out coming up all these things coming up where i need to start seeing that all of these are important if you want people to buy all these they all have to be important i mean with this catch-up because me and brandon have pretty much talked about the other you still even have wolverine cable you know, the Empire X-Men in there. All these things are involved as well. So there's been so many issues where I can't just sit there and say, well, that was kind of a cool issue where they were inside this nightmare black hole. I'm starting to get this, you know, overwhelming thing in my head that, boy, some of these really don't need to be read, but I'm here to talk about them. You can tell me if you think different. Um, But the way I am, and I know a lot of people are as well, that you can't stand not reading them all. These are all intertwined. And like I said, you end up reading the New Mutants book. And if you want to know what happens to the King Egg, it's not fully in it, but it is. And so uh, I got to read the X-Men book or you're reading the X-Men book. What's this King Egg? Oh, I, you want to be involved with all of it. But boy, it's getting so big. And just almost like it's almost running away from them. It's getting away. And it's so much money and time investment into it that, especially at a time with this COVID stuff, it's tough. It's really tough. So with this, I'm giving this a 6.5. I I didn't mind the art throughout, except that at, at one point, and I'll tell you, at one point, 
things take a weird turn, and I'll tell you exactly where it is. It's when Wolfsbane ends up transforming into the wolf. And it just seemed weird. I'm like, that that is not up to the same quality. What happened? It's just that little bit, but I don't know why that was. But the colors are cool in this as well. But still, 6-5, I'll give it. And I'm going to go on to the last book of the podcast. All right. And the last book is one of my favorites, if not my favorite book of this whole Dawn of X stuff. It is X-Force. It's X-Force number 10. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Casera, colors by Guru FX, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. The Green Death. Oh, my. Months ago, the South American nation of Terra Verde was experimenting with radical telefloronic technology that could nearly replicate the wonders of Krakoa. To preserve mutant kind's political dominance, I'm having problems, Beast had Terra Verde's telefloronic research destroyed. Or so he thought. Days ago, all communication in and out of the country went dead. Wolverine, Domino, and Kid Omega have been deployed to assess the threat and eliminate it. And again, I have liked this book pretty much the most. Uh, This is probably the one that if I had to pick one is the one I would follow. I'm enjoying Wolverine, Domino, and Kid Omega in it. But even this issue, it's almost a trend for this entire night podcast here is the idea that, okay, well, what what is really important here? What's going on? And what really is important is the idea of Beast overstepping things. He's stepping over the line. This is where Gene realizes it. And we had seen Gene did not feel right about things that had gone on before this. This is something that I've talked about each issue of the X-Force since it happened, when you end up having this stuff with the president's son and Terra Verde, all these things going on. And this is where the crap hits the fan. And Gene pretty much says, I'm out. I, I don't agree with what you're doing, Beast. You better you better know your role. Know your role. You better know your role and stop doing this nonsense. Now, the last issue ended up where Wolverine, Domino, and Kid Omega were going to Terra Verde and realized, oh, my God, it's the whole country seems to have been taken over by this vegetation. That it ended up pretty much, you know, it, and you ended up having Kid Omega said, we're not going against a, a a nation that's against us. We're going against an angry God. And it seemed to spell out that, that this ancient God in Terra Verde, the God of the Green, has got this issue that kind of goes a little bit, against, not against it, but it really doesn't play it out as well. And really all this ends up being is the idea that Wolverine, Kid Omega, and Domino need to be saved, and they do end up being saved by Gene, Sage, and Black Tom, and through all that, you have the idea that Gene is sick of Beast and doesn't want to get involved in any of this nonsense anymore. So up until the point, you kind of meander a bit. You do end up seeing... Some things like that that are cool looking Wolverines on, you know, about to get sacrificed to this god, I guess. And you end up having all of these plant people and all going on. They're all happy with this and the sacrifice is going to go on. Well, you end up having Gene throughout this is like, we can't destroy this country either. We have to go in and kind of stop this in a way that the country can kind of get itself back. And it does end up where she goes and tries to fix this without really killing anybody, without ever going, and you end up pretty much having like a, we're going to make this whole deal 
you know, throw a virus into this to end up introducing that so that this, you know, telefloronic stuff, photo, I'm telling you, it's so wacky, will end up, you know, having almost like a biological malware that will shut it down, will go against it. And I'm telling you, overall, the setup to this was a lot better than the actual things that happened here to end it. I, I, and the point where I didn't even know really fully what exactly had gone on, but it's okay because I wasn't really that concerned about the telefloronic doings of Terra Verde. So you end up having that while well, Gene, like I said, seeing what had gone wrong and seeing that beast doing things his way and kind of going against the norm or against rules or against morality even. Uh, he done messed up and she doesn't want any parts of it. So at the end, when you do end up having this all fixed with Gene kind of sending out this malware deal through her telepathic stuff, you end up where she gives up and quits the whole X-Force team while she's having sexy hot tub time with Wolverine. They're there. And, and I ended up talking to some people. I think it was Ruben who told me that he just does not like this whole trio, this threesome going on. Even if it is a wink-wink deal with old Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean Grey, he does not like that. He is a prude, some would say, but I agree with him. I don't like it that much either. But you end up where you have Wolverine, well, you always come to me for the poisons. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, that's I'm going to use that move from now on. But yeah, she gives up. She said, this is my thing. I don't feel right being in the sex force. And you end up having Wolverine. That's fine. It kind of isn't your thing. Uh, you know, it's it's a Wolverine thing, though. And it's a Domino thing. And it's a Kid Omega thing. So we're going to keep doing it. But they're going to have Sage as their kind of liaison as well. So we'll see how it goes. But really, there's not much to it in my mind other than kind of getting our team out of Terra Verde and solving that situation in a way that just gets it done and goes with really the important thing is gene versus beast in this you know warfare of morality but we'll see where that leads but yeah overall again this is like a six out of ten i like the art enough but just didn't really mean much and uh, these number 10 issues really really let me down i i hope that most of the people listening to these catch-up episodes and things realize, you know, hey, Jim actually is he's enjoyed some of these books more than he ever thought he would because I have. I am catching up because I didn't get involved after Hawks and Pox because I didn't think it was my thing. I thought that was too much. I th- all that stuff. Well, as I went through, I was really enjoying some things, but I I think it's at like a crossroads for me right now at these number 10s. It started, I even said, I was talking to people who are on the Patreon in our Slack chat. Again, a little caveat, if you go on to the Patreon, you're in the Slack chat, everybody's talking. I was talking to Double A Ron, who's catching up to things, talking to Ruben, talking to John Jack, all the people talking. And I said, and even Andy was talking as well. I don't want to leave anybody out so they give a... And so we're we're all talking, and I said, around issue seven or eight for most of these books, I started to lose a bit of interest, and I need that interest back. And it's it's weird because these tens are not doing it. So hopefully with things coming back, everything going on, all that sort of thing, my interest level will go back, and I'll start really enjoying things. But I'm at the point now where I'm like, well, I caught up for the most part. 
but I don't know that I really need to, you know, push forward a lot of things. And this week we get some things and things going on and all that. And it's tough because I, I look at the back of the books and look at the schedule and look at the checklist that they always have. And it keeps changing. It's not necessarily their fault. It is the whole shutdown and how things are coming out. But yeah, some of the books coming up, you know, New Mutants number 11. I, right back to this, you know, mutant in Carnelia with the black hole. I don't know that I'm necessarily that fired up about seeing any of that. We have Hellions number two. Okay, I, I'm kind of excited for X Factors coming up eventually. We have X Men number ten. The, you know, but even so, I'm just I need something to get me excited again. I need one of these books to really kill again, where I'm like, all right. And I'm not just talking one story, one issue. And that's where I think that I'm having a a big problem is, is the idea like the main X-Men book. This should be that every time we cycle through the books, the X-Men book is telling a coherent one story that I go, man, I love this story. All right. So at least I got, but that book is kind of, Grabbing the tidbits from that one, having one shot issues, having things like even like the Golden Girls issue and the, you know, from a while back, just these ideas where I get to that main flagship title. I'm like, all right, well, that was a thing, right? I need something to wow me again. And I think that maybe things are getting stretched out too much. I think that maybe there are too many books and there's too many stories going that don't really, in my mind, seem to look like they're heading to fit together really eventually i'm sure they will but when is that going to be what's that going to be after 150 issues i need something but overall i'm still enjoying these i just i'm starting to get to a point where i think that it's on a, a bit of a lull and i need things to pick up so hopefully that will happen i'd like to hear what everybody else thinks and if they have that same feeling or maybe you're fired up now maybe things are going great for you and you can again convince me i'm begging people to convince me about everything please somebody if somebody can convince me that excalibur is the best book of all of these books and really give me i'm not saying that you just get a hold of me and say i think it's the best book i that's fine for you i need you to convince me uh, and i and if so boy i will be i'll be in debt for the rest of my life with you. I, I, you will be my best friend. I'll tell you, you don't want that, but you'll still be my best friend. But that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Now we're caught up. Like I said, I will probably have a X-Men episode each week, which would probably, you know, probably be around the Thursday, Friday, around there. And then I will have a other issue podcast as well, doing some of the books that me and Brandon don't do. I said my biggest goal would be that in a week we talk about every book that comes out from Marvel. That would be awesome. I don't think that we could quite do that because eventually they kind of end up with tons of books. But I will do my best to do that. I'll try to get all of those out to every one of you. But thanks a lot, and I will talk to you later.